Natch82. Whisper in your lover's ear, text the sound No, oh, I'm a burning man. What? That music made me feel like I was on the playa. On the playa with old Neil? Not quite right. I wasn't feeling quite right. And the music brought me in. Good. I'm glad you're here with us. Natch82. You can text the Soundhawk at 303-548-6877. So we went to New York City. If you listened to episode 81, you heard us recording from 14th Street Park. That city was out to get us. That was very loud. It's not a city built for podcasting in public spaces, that's all. Here in Denver, we could find just about any park that time of day and have a reasonably... For now, 1,000 families moving into the city every month. Yeah, I heard that bullshit statistic, too. I don't think it's true. A thousand families? Come on. Yeah. Absurd. Well, not just Denver, but the environs. I don't buy it. You know where they're moving. <laughs> okay. The whole, there's a whole, <laughs> <laughs> whole bunch of new developments south of Rocky Flats. Oh, my God. Okay. It's tough to argue facts with someone just doesn't believe them. Well, what's your source? Uh, the heard it on the Economic Development Committee of Denver, Colorado, City and County of Denver. Oh, I feel like I'm back on jury duty. I had yeah, jury you, duty this week. You put that link on the dock. Okay, I'll find it. Oh, wait a minute. Holy, perfect timing. What? Details. Just sent a segment. Oh, man. When are we going to do that? Well, but she wants to know if you got it. Um, I probably did. Why don't we... Uh... Why don't you hit Natch and we'll bake it into the program and then... We Return can, to our listeners. Nah, we can just keep going. Okay. We'll decide where it fits. I'll put it in. Well, you talk for a couple seconds. I'm going to put it in. All right, so we took a trip to New York City. Right here. On studio business. Had a lovely time in upstate New York. Recording with a client, and then we went and met with a, another <laughs> dude. We did. Yeah. That crazy... At the Soho Club, It baby. was Zach. Zach's been on the show. We left yeah. Zach and, and his merry band of... Tart pranksters? Oh. You like that? <laughs> dirty, yeah. dirty tartists. Dirty tartists. There's, it was, um, so it was like a club. We got there early. Well, no, we got there, well, early, one time. One of, the, one of, the, one of those two. <laughs> and we had our big, back, big backpacks on, right? Huge backpacks. Well, not huge, but we had well, all our gear. yours wasn't huge. Mine was massive. You could have planned, or, planned it better and given me some of the gear a couple days ahead of time. Not, not in that tiny little... Your little ultralight backpacking, that, that a feet little backpack of yours. Oh, I'm glad I didn't take anything heavier. My back still hurts. Yeah, I had some, Man, daddy. some pinched nerves in my shoulders. Oh, the shoulders. But I'm, I'm better now. Oh, good. But yeah, the Soho Club. So we had all this place. gear. We had two mic stands. And we're like, walk in. I'm like, wait a minute. This doesn't even look like a restaurant. Where are we? People start whipping out these little cards to show the concierge. It's a club. It's private, a members only club. Private club. Well, it's like a hotel. and a. Is it a hotel? Yeah. Well, we went straight to the top floor, and it was just a little taste of South Beach up there. It was crazy. There was a pool. There, there were... was a bar. Then there was a pool. Then there were bikini-clad New Yorkers. It was something else. Y'all young. Younger than us. Dripping with a certain joie de vivre. Oh, my goodness. And we had a lovely lunch and talked about uh, stuff and die antward. Oh, yeah. Zach likes the antward. Well, he's, I think he's he's studying their aesthetic, which is bizarre. Their new really. album came out. Their new album came out. Pitchfork's like fuck these guys. Fuck they're, Pitchfork. They're, they're, trying, like they're trying so hard. I think they are trying too hard at this point. I don't. Yeah. I think they're having fun, and I think it pisses. I think they had nebbish fun. little music critics off. I think they had fun. Now it's a machine. It's an enterprise. 
we've got to be, we got to keep being, I'm going to start liking, uh, uh, I'm going to start cutting myself. I don't see any of that happening. Okay. okay. I'm a, in a new video, Ninja has a prosthetic blade leg for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> it's not explained as to why. I, I think they're know. doing just fine. Oh, they probably I think are. haters are just going to hate. Haters are going to hate. It's because they haters hate because they can't create. Shake you know what I'm off. saying? Shake it off. No, it's none of that. That's the problem with like fucking, you fucking criticism. You fucking. Some of it's useful. Most of it is just people pissed off that they Thanks can't Thanks to Zach. Their that own was a lovely lunch. Hip hop, trance, rave rap. You know my favorite D Antward song? I don't, Mark. Something about the, remember that little bum song? E- oh no, even, even in my bum. Even, wasn't it? That was good. This is like just an invitation. Ninja, you can stick it anywhere, even, even in my bum. Oh boy. I can't get Ugly Boy out of my head. Tell you what, love that song. Pulp Pantry. I don't, that wasn't part of my New York experience. Well, it was part of mine. I went up to Greenwich. Yeah. Took the train. Te- Okay. Just okay. hobnobbing with your right. with your Williams alum. Yeah, we did a little bit of Williamsing up there. Using up all the hot water at his house, probably. <laughs> That's Classic good. Williams behavior. Classic Neil. What's hilarious about that story is, first of all, that Neil, yeah, like the, the fuckers from Williams. I don't think he said fuckers. But he didn't, but he nailed classic. No, he did not. And then you jump in like, oh, classic Williams. It is classic Williams. You don't know shit about Williams. I know enough to know, know that they'd use all the hot water. You're down here with they'd your think it's fucking funny. band of skate rats. So I read the first episode of your screen work. My screen work? I had another thought after, after oh, did I read you? it. Okay. Um, Josh is working on something. So, so I don't a screenplay. I don't know what you play about it's it. Like a, is it for a show? TV show? Well, I have a version that's a motion picture, and then I've been mm. fleshing out. So uh, parts of it into episodes. Well, I what I told him, I'm just going to share this with everybody in case they're working on their own screenplay. Because sure I have ninety percent experience. Of our, you have no experience writing a screenplay. I have experience being in a milieu of you have aspiring judging other people's work. Yeah, and being in workshops with screenwriters, <laughs> taught by successful screenwriters. Sure, screenplayists. Tell a tell screenwriters. A, I think is the right. So. I gave Josh my feedback on episode one was, well, hey, quite a cast of characters here. Broad oh, range of people. The good job balancing around, keeping them all going. They've all got a little, uh, should I say, joie de vivre again? I guess they all do have that. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> was it the guy? Somebody, who had on the hemp choker? That was the, the female protagonist, Rachel. It was her brother, Matt. He has it was a, a guy a wearing choker. a hemp choker. Yeah. Either I don't know what that is or it, it was a delightful detail. Unlike countless other details that were unnecessary. This was my one piece of advice to Josh. Oh, yeah. You told me it was, it was a rookie move, man. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to help. Well, it's like, so well if, here's the, here's the I difference. I know this because remember, you know Charlie Kaufman. Kaufman? Yes, I do. Oh, boy. Um, I studied some of his screenplays back in the day. And you Did read you? them and you're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's nothing in there about like what this person looks like. Mm-hmm. Let that happen. He's just just the essentials of what's going on. Ooh, minimalist. Yeah, no, like twenties, kind of cute, big boobs, a little bit of a. Mm, her eyebrows are plucked a certain way. No, no, no. There that was turns nothing off. About plucked eyebrows. That turns there was off. a Romanesque nose. <laughs> you got to think about this. You got to put yourself in the mind of the director, and the director's like, "I want a good story." 
and then I want to flesh it out. I want well, to here's where it. it's a little different for this. I want to cast Angelina Jolie in this part. You're and you just across... told me that it's a redhead with a Romanesque nose. What am I going to do? You're sitting across from the director. It's me or you, buddy. This is the director. Well, if you're going to do it, yeah. If you're going to do it yourself, then... I, your point is well taken. I, didn't, I, didn't I can take out specific makes and... An auteur. ...colors of cars without a problem. And if someone wanted to... If I talked to someone, if I gave them the elevator pitch and they wanted a version of it, I could give them a slim down one. The point of that character having boobs is that she's very self-conscious of her large boobs and it's affected her entire posture. Mm. She's hunched over her boobs, creating a protective shell in the back. She should get boob reduction surgery. Maybe in the sequel, Mark, that'll happen. But <laughs> is that episode three? I'm saying there's reason for those Hard details. Hard turn right. And I think I pointed you to the I don't, late 90s movie, Slums of Beverly Hills. Have you seen that movie? Yeah, I saw the picture of, uh, what's her name? Well, Natasha Leone's character in that movie has large breasts that she's very self-conscious of. In reality, she does not have large breasts, so she wore a big old padded bra. There's also Marissa Tomei's breasts in that movie, but it's clear that they're a breast double. I don't know why they chose to use a breast double, because then you see her boobs in The Wrestler, and they're very nice, you know? Just an interesting choice. But it's not all about boobs, Mark. Wait till you read episode two. There's a lot of very specific information about what shoes a, a particular skate rat is wearing. And that's for a reason, too. Because there are clear allegiances among, among the skate, skate rat community. So back to New York. This yes. is my only New York story. Now, I went up to go see some tried-true New Yorkers. Living some in Williams Connecticut? Folk. Well, they, How are they, they tried-and-true New Yorkers? They, got they, a play, they, they got ran a, away to Connecticut? They got a place in the city. But they now they have two kids. They live up in Connecticut. He's a cardiologist. I mean, come on. Living the dream. Um, when I left you, Union Square, yeah. we took our separate ways on the subway. A melancholy moment. Worst experience of my life, that subway ride. I don't really? know what yours was like. Mine, I got on, that's 12th Street, and it was packed. And I had on this big pack, and I'm like just wedged up against a guy. My hand's on his ass. I can't move anywhere. But every stop after that, it was like nobody got off, right? And there was a throng of 100 people. And the doors would open, and it was like, squeeze in, squeeze in. And then the, the, the car is going, we're full, we're full. Just, just anger. Oh, my God. And you were having a panic attack with and your it was sweaty anger. hand on a man's ass? And it, it, Oh, it was just, I, I, the subway was always busy, but this, it's gotten really bad. And so I confirmed that with my New Yorker friends. They were like, yeah. Well, you're not going to like this. I had a luxurious subway ride <laughs> uptown. It was the, the second I had to switch uh. trains. And then the, when I got on the one, I think it was a little crowded. And I, but I think I had that mic stand strapped to my backpack. And yeah. that was keeping people away. They were afraid of that. Well, I got on the uh, Metro Rail, <clears throat> Metro North, and that was delightful. But joosh, that subway ride. I was like, because it, it was hot. Oh, Smelly. Man. Yeah, it was rough. Yeah, those metro. Lines I got up are to great, Greenwich. Though. I'm like, I don't think I can do the city anymore. And they were laughing at me. Yeah, I decided that that's a, an amazing city to visit. Just to visit. I don't think I could ever live there. Oh. But yeah, I think after I left you, I went and. Oh, I re- you know who I found out was in town? My old buddy JC, who I used to publish Stop Smiling Magazine. When we, when we were talking about Kevin Christie a couple episodes ago, 81, 80, and episode 80. Is, does, now he has a. Uh, pornography imprint no it's a book imprint called hat and beard they published a book of tasteful nudes that my kids were obsessed with i liked it it was a great book there were one or two that were iffy for kids the rest were fine it was mostly just boobs what was iffy 
there was no what? penetration or anything. Oh, Jesus. Wasn't there like a licking one, I remember? I don't I'm, know. I'm saying it would be fine for kids. I, I know you're all about introducing tasteful nudes to your young men, boys, before <laughs> they find the internet. That could be a great there It's a you smart go. play. I've got the book on my shelf. It's ready for them when they're ready. <laughs> oh, they're ready. Well, no, now they're just ready to laugh at it, but they'll get to an age where they're like ready to, I guess, dig a little deeper, whatever Ooh. it is. All right. Let's just what? stop there. Oh, I'm sorry. Were you never a young man? Were you never man. sequestered away in a bathroom oh. seven hours a day, <laughs> spanking it? That's what I'm getting at, right there. So, pulp pantry, right? Wind up. No, oh, no, I was, it was just nice. I said my friend was in town for a book fair, so I wandered. I went. I was down in Chelsea the night before the bombing. That's right. Chelsea. That was yeah, a little weird. That's right. But uh, aunt, my uh, wife's aunt Carol, who's been uh, talked about on this podcast before, we played a snippet of her teaching Martha Stewart how to do a warrior two pose. She passed away from Parkinson's about six months ago, five six months ago. But in the last half year of her life she meticulously planned her memorial service so that's what we went to oh i didn't know she'd planned it hmm. she planned every little detail and she had all these speakers all like friends of hers get up at specific times and talk about specific eras in her life and this and that oh extremely moving my wife uh my wife my wife her uncle carol's husband david prompted her like before it started like are you gonna say something and nicole was not prepared to hmm. But her dad got up and just, everyone else was reading from a script and they all said some very compelling, very literate is things. This, is this Nicole's dad's sister? Mm-hmm. Okay. But then uh, her dad gets up and just says, boy, whatever it is, she had it. And all, everyone, oh. like you could hear everyone's throats tightening up. Oh. And then he just spoke from the heart. That's, it was totally beautiful. And then Nicole great. got up and she hadn't planned on what she was going to say. She told a story, much like the stories I told she in said, this podcast. whatever it is. She had it. No, she talked about being in yoga and how it's hard for her to lay in Shavasana and think of nothing because she always thinks of her aunt and Aww. her aunt was a great role model. But, but then it closed. There were lots of slideshows with pictures of her and David and her and her New York friends. But then it, it closed, closed with you, two turntables, and a little bit of that music that opened the show. <laughs> no, no. It closed with a, with a slideshow of people in her life who had died, like other people who died, their names, like next to their picture and photos. Interesting. Very deep. And it brought together a lot of people who'd never met before, but who had her in common or other things in common. And everyone hung out for a long time. And we hung out with uh, David's extended family. Aren't you glad you went? So glad. Hmm. It was the whole trip packed with adventure and meaning. It was a great trip. And wonderfulness. We'll, uh, we'll tell you all more about it down the road. But uh, from, a, from a Natch studio perspective. Uncle David's niece has a company called Pulp Pantry. Boom. And they take uh, food waste, food waste, and make granola and snacks out of it. So shout out Pulp Pantry. Shout out to Pulp Pantry. That's pulppantry.com. Find it at your favorite pulp store. So we had a nice conversation about pulp, and she's smart. She wants to go consulting and take it a little broader. Yeah, you know, help people. Well, that's nice. Find I like it's, hard, it's hard running a company. Aquafaba, dude, perfect example. Same type of deal. Oh my God, let's. We're gonna. I think details is gonna show up a little later. Is details who asked for our opinion on Aquafaba? She sure did. I almost did my complete slurred speech moment per show right there. That was whiskey that I put in your tonic. Okay. Uh, I'm just. I'm just keeping my eye on Expo East, which is happening right now. Just following the hashtags because we're there. I feel like we're gonna get sucked. I feel in. like we might get sucked into like that it or show not. yet again. Stay tuned. Um, yeah, I'm looking at some of their. 
I'm looking at it like, oh God, state of the industry, 9 a.m. That's me. That's my stage. What a what a cathartic moment! Just here on a microphone doing this instead, but um, it's got to be good to be out of that. One of the slides, one of the big trends was collaborative economy, food waste. There, boom, Sir Kensington's right there. Boom, they're getting a lot of attention with that. Uh, mm-hmm. And they have a Fabernese food truck. I'm not even look sure for what that, that means. details. It drives around, and you can buy food and put your Fabernese on it. I'm not sure I really like Fabernese. How dare you? It sounds like. We're gonna get a to euphemism for jizz. Oh boy, we're gonna get to more of the uh, great mayo drama at the end of the show. All right, here's some drama. So well, yeah, Unilever buys Seventh Generation for reported five or six dollars. That's cheap. Oh five. Oh six hundred or seven hundred million in cash. What well, I like that it's in cash. What was it like in a fucking briefcase? <laughs> yep, that's my. Hello, Unilever. Unilever. Seventh generation. This is an old star. I mean, I think they've been. I can't remember who. What? I don't know who owned them at this point. But another one, just rolling up to something even bigger. That's one of the big. I mean, six to seven hundred million. That's a big. That's a lot of money. That's the exit strategy. That's there, a right? lot of cash to go try to find and and stuff into suitcases. <laughs> one of the, that'd be good. <laughs> it was all like in cash. It showed up in a dump truck. <laughs> Show up at seventh generation headquarters. My name is Jack. I'm from Unilever. I'd like to speak to whoever's in charge. I like if it's like some sweaty mafioso looking guy <laughs> yeah. who's like just gone up a flight of stairs. Vito. Like trying to catch his breath. He's like, <gasps> My name is Vito Acanchi. I got this fucking money. I used to be a performance artist. Now I've got these briefcases full of cash. Who do I talk to? They're probably like those big, <laughs> you know, those uh, suitcases that like an on-call doctor has, the bigger square ones. That's what yep. I'm picturing. I'm picturing in a crocodile though, like a nice kind of mauve crocodile skin. You got to be careful not to stain it. So is that a big deal? Do we care? Doctor, no. That's Endgame, right? That's what everyone's trying to do. Fucking Endgame. Except for Dr. Bronner. Oh, we found That's our not shining their star. Shining star. Time and time. Real. Time and time again. Dr. Bronner's announces resignation from the Organic Trade Association. Peace, OTA. Fuck you. And and escalates commitment to organic agriculture and other causes. Dr. Bronner's, North America's leading natural brand of soap and organic body care products, has resigned from the Organic Trade Association, citing the association's betrayal of the consumer-led GMO labeling movement and general drift away from the core principles that drive the organic movement. That's two movements. The OTA compromised their initial position of opposition to the Dark Act and lent the crucial support that allowed anti-labeling legislators to push that same legislation through the Senate and be signed into law by President Barack Obama this summer. That's some bullshit. I've been hearing these rumblings for a while now. Ooh, serious discontent over this. So they fight to label GMOs for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Different state initiatives. Most fail, some passed. Mm-hmm. Big food, big food, bang, big mm. bad food. Said, "Oh fuck this, we better do something." Everybody wants it. All right, we'll come up with our own national standard, but we'll, we'll neuter it down. It's gonna be a QR code. We'll make it hard. No one even knows how the fuck to use those. And then o- OTA did a little, little, little two-step here, and there, Doctor Bronner's is not happy about that. And they, a little two-step. What does that mean? Uh, I think they kind of they they didn't they were not stridently opposed to the Dark Act. Strident. Okay, I just well, wanted I a good word. I, I don't remember what it was. It's, it's too much intrigue. 
But that's a ballsy move. Bronner said, fuck this. Yeah. I got better shit to do. Why like what? Why can't all corporations be like Bronner's is what I wonder. It's <sighs> a good point. It's like the one big company that's not essentially a sociopath. Well, the secret is that like... Well, maybe not the one, but the most... Le- the least sociopathic. It's pretty... They have a good time over there sometimes, I think. Foam parties. <laughs> yep. Um, you know what's great, too, is like, you know, everyone who works there has a... By about 9 a.m., their butthole's still tingling from that peppermint soap. <clears throat> I know mine is. Uh, Bronner. So this is a family business. And I remember when we were tracking the GMO labeling thing in all these states, like, you like, oh, who, okay, here's Big Bad Food put in 10 million to fight against this labeling, labeling law. Who's going to support it? And it'd be like, oh, well, they raised a million. Half of it from Bronner. Dude wrote a check. That's a check that could just go in his pocket. I'd like to think that he, he actually... He six-figure uh, checks I don't all think he's writing time. checks. I think he had crocodile. Move, uh, crocodile. That's a... Briefcases full of briefcase cash. Briefcase full of cash. So that, that's... I mean, it makes some sense that, like, if the GMO labeling saga ended, ends <clears> in a way that, he's, that he disapproves of, he's, he's been writing the checks, man. Yeah. What's he going to do instead? This, is why, this forward, is why you've got to love him. Love him. Looking forward, Dr. Bronner is particularly keen to help power not, and not, coordinate... <laughs> Dr. Bronner's, not the specific Dr. Bronner. I think I has, said Dr. Bronner's. Nope. We'll, we'll check the tape. Let me shut the window while I'm at it. <laughs> Somebody's mowing a lawn. No, it's just a truck, it, and it's going away from Look. the house. Was that a ash? Yep. Looking forward, Dr. Bronner's is particularly keen to help power and coordinate the animal welfare and regenerative organic movements in their <gasps> common aim to end the horribly cruel and unsustainable factory farming of animals fed by monoculture deserts of carbon and water-intensive grain, adds Bronner. So Bronner himself added that. Real good reading So in effect, that. my reading was correct, terrible. in a sense. What's terrible? Do you want to finish it or not? Oh, if it's not, if it's terrible. You don't even have to finish it. No, this is good. One-third of the Earth's surface is covered in arable farm and rangeland. Regenerative practices can restore soil health and organic matter relatively quickly, and coupled with a global commitment to eating much less, but much more humane and sustainably raised animal products, can also significantly mitigate climate change. So they're going to fucking save the world. You know what they're doing here. Saving the world. They, they're up in the game. Up in the game to save the world. Up in the ante. Up in the ante to save the world. Who doesn't love Bronner's? Who doesn't love Bronner's? Who doesn't love animal welfare? The only reason I'd even consider going to Expo East is to just... Careful, you're going to get sucked in. Not yet. Don't talk about it too much? Okay. Ooh. I heard that. Oh, sound hawk. Sound hawk. I got oh, the legend. That? Her little crinkle. I think, I think, you know, there are these seminal moments. I remember when this happened with AOL. Oh, God. <laughs> Back to the brush journey, huh? The big inter- the first internet bubble. And uh-huh. then I'm like, oh boy, you saw it coming for months. But you were love. I worked at AOL and the stock was going through the roof. And they, oh, you got paid and your, your bonuses were in stock options. You're like, good times. So the internet bubble is swelling in parallel, in tandem with the brush ego bubble. Uh huh. They're just and then, puffing up. And then there was the seminal moment AOL merges, that's quotes, with mm. Time Warner. They bought them. I remember but that. to do it, they devalued. They said, "You know what? We're trading at eighty bucks a share. We're gonna the merger is gonna it has it at like seventy or something." I was like, "Oh, you just popped the fucking bubble, pricked it, boo!" You popped the bubble. You got seminal all over you the said, place. You know what? We couldn't do the deal. We're not really worth this. Boom! They got seminal all over the place. I think this is another seminal moment. This is sort of 
Good thing there's a lot of soap around to clean it up. I don't think it's the death of organic, but it is the day that re- that something other than organic became the crucible for food future reform. It's not just food organic. Future. It's more than organic, isn't it, Mark? Yes. It's sustainable. It's, it's we're it's getting part, smarter. It's part of a more intricate program. It's not just an, it's not just a label. Meat. You can't just go one word organic. It's like we're getting specific with animal welfare, regenerative practices. Boom, boom, bitty, bitty, boom, boom. You know what I might call that? We're going to have five or six of these mauve suitcases. What do you think about calling it the Lotus Light? I love it. I'm always looking for the Lotus Light. But you know, now... Let's get a little word from our friend. All right. Let's bring it in. It's happening. And now it's time for Details with DeFay. Hi, guys. Details here. Um, regarding aspirin, yes, it has some uh, roots in herbalism... Because it was, it was derived from plants that have a lot of salicylic, salicylic acid, um, and that's like uh, one of the components of aspirin or whatever. It's actually named after meadowsweet, which is part of my materia medica, um, which had a name back in the day of spiria or sp- spiria, aspirin spiria. Get it? Um. Josh, that's funny about your dad and yours door locking, car door locking ritual. Because, man, I don't even, I hate when my car honks. Woo, woo, I hate it. So I don't even lock it. But I have a pretty shitty car, so it's fine. Um, the, the last thing is that when you guys were talking about superfoods and acai berries, and Josh had a little note under his breath, I was like, those things are great in a bowl. <laughs> I thought that was funny because... Those acai, bowl, acai bowls are dumb. That's all. Okay, bye. Well, thank you, Deepak. What is she talking about with the bowl? Acai bowls. We were talking about acai. You brought it up, and I, I just, under my breath, said, I hear they're good in bowls. Because you, yeah, you buy those things everywhere. Uh, but all right. it's not, it's like one of those. I think of them as shakes. See, I think of an acai bowl, it's like one of those things that just showed up everywhere. It like, did. especially when, I feel like if you're in, like, near Santa Fe, Sedona, you'll find lots of acai bowl restaurants. Mm-hmm. But they're one of those things that just dropped out of the fucking sky with no context. All oh, of a sudden, they're everywhere. they did. And, well, not all of us were at Expo West. Not all of us were weaned on Expo West, Mark. Well, I'm just telling you, you listen to this podcast, you will realize things don't just drop out of the sky like okay. that. Okay. But in general, did it not somebody, seem... Somebody's getting it. Somebody's making that whole All right, but where... Happen. Who made acai bowls a thing? Dr. Oz. That asshole? Willow bark. I'm not gonna... You know what? Materia whatever you Medica. Found, whatever you found on the internet can go fuck itself, because D-Fay knows what she's talking about. I'm telling you... I mean, I don't know. She might. No, you just, well, you just she, love to shoot holes in people. You like to I poke like to, holes in their air. I, I like to rats. retort to the retort. The two things I liked about this very brief detail segment were one, how much trouble she had pronouncing a few things. Uh, not, we couldn't all afford Williams College. <laughs> both man. of you. Yeah, the acai. I think both of us went to the Metropolitan State in University. Sal- salicylic. Of Denver. I'm totally with her on the salicylic acid, but I think Willow... I oh, mean, could you just say that one what did more she time? Say? I just love to hear it pronounced Sal- the, the salicylic, proper way. Salicylic. Oh, my God. What so did, I can't remember which... She had a different herb, a, a different folk lore, nutrient. I don't remember. Willow bark, dude. Maybe she said the same thing, and I'm using the wrong term. That's likely. Oh, here we go. WebMD. Other names. 
It's, okay. <laughs> I'm not even going to read the whole thing because it says the history of aspirin, but willow bark extract became recognized for specific effects on fever, pain, and inflammation in the mid 18th century. Lewis and Clark allegedly dot, dot, dot. I remember hearing that the Native Americans would, li- would rival- lick aspen bark. Willow bark, not aspen bark. N- nature's rival to aspirin is the salicin in willow bark. Asp- your body, aspen, as, 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 your aspirin. body turns it into salicylic acid. That, really- make, that makes more sense. Oh, it can relieve your back pain. But that makes That's sense. That's what I need. Aspen, aspirin. Not aspen. Aspen, aspirin. That's Willow bark. Clearly the connection. Acts a lot like aspirin. I don't aspirin, care what the internet says. So it's used for pain. So let me read the other, then we'll be done. I'm not, I'm, I'm not quibbling with details. This should have been done a while ago. Other names for willow bark. This is for details, pure benefit. She has these details. She took a fucking course. <laughs> she is it's for nobody's benefit. Her name is details. <laughs> it's for nobody's benefit. She knows these details. Basket willow, bay willow, black willow, black willow extract, brittle willow, corteza de sauce. I think we just we just heard your what is uh, cortejas de sauce. I know what your new playa name is though. Brittle willow. Corteja de sauce is my new... Pr- I don't- Mark Brittle Willow Brush. Crack Willow. Daphne Willow. I like that. Can you Could call be me Daphne, Daphne Willow. Willow. You're or- either Brittle, Brittle Willow or Daphne Willow. A Daphne Willow is less sol. of a tongue twister. A Corse de Sol Blanc. European Willow. European Willow Bark. All right. That's enough. Thanks, Daniel. What I liked, do I get to say what I liked about that sure. segment? She talked about uh, how she doesn't even lock her car and her car is a piece of shit. I don't know if she's still driving the same CRV, but what, what's funny to me about that is uh, she... <laughs> She thought oil changes were just a bunch of hot air. <laughs> you didn't need to get oil changes in cars. Well, that's kind of true. You don't need as many as the manufacturer tries to tell you you need. But you, Old cars, you do need them every... Her car's getting pretty old. 3,000. Like the car, I don't know what you're driving. You're, both yours are new. You can, go, you can go 10,000 miles on those things, especially if you get the synthetic oil, which ruins probably the environment. Mm. But lets your engine purr like that little kitty right down there. Playing with the mic cords. Uh, so yeah, Hope, hopefully you've got an oil change recently, Defe. Quick hit from details, right into the book club. Closing out the Naked Eight. Oh my God! The controversial classic of man's origins, Desi Morris, noted what? zoologist. Who doesn't love everything they've read in this book? I know Mark does. Chapter <laughs> what are we? Eight animals. Uh, the the final chapter. Mm-hmm. We are concluding the book club on today's show. Well, we'll move into another. That was my stomach. That was an God. inside fart. That's for details. She loves inside farts. You, we, we know, having spent, having spent a mm-hmm. um, lovely, but, you know, you're on your game. You're working. You're with talent. You're recording shows for people. We know Josh's weakness. He can hold that boom mic steady hand, but he can't control his inside farts. I, my stomach was growling, but not until the last day, last morning, last day. Yeah. Hadn't had my Vega bar yet. That's what happens. Animals. I think I had... Th- I'll tell you. I'll start. You start. He, I love when he got all sexual with the horses. Yeah. In, the, <laughs> in every chapter, he finds something to get sexual about. I, I should find that. It's one of his strengths. He talks about how, why we like... Ant- it's page 232. Oh, I wrote oh, thank down you. page 232, horse humping. Gee, oof. Uh, yeah, viewed objectively, the act of horse riding consists of a long series of rhythmic movements with the legs wide apart and in close contact with the body of the animal. That's probably too much for Defe right there, Mark. Its appeal for its, its appeal for goyles appears to result from, goyles? The, from the combination of its masculinity and the nature of the posture and actions performed on its back. Yeesh. I think 
So as before he closes the book, having described the naked ape to us, he says, let's talk about that naked ape, how it relates to other species of animals. Mm-hmm. Species. He talks about how it begins... At least he, he hypothesized it began with dogs. We saw dogs at like... Yeah, who cares? No, it makes sense. They had like... I know. They had abilities as hunters that humans didn't. So we probably brought some wolf pups into a tribe at some point to fatten them up and eat them. And then we realized, wait a minute. If they're raised by us, they'll do as us. Yeah. And then we breed out the troublemakers and pretty soon we got domesticated dog and then we start domesticating livestock because the dogs can help us herd them. <laughs> okay. Great and I mean great. It's the, the nugget, dude. No, the 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 nugget was that we have two. There's two rules that kind of govern how we relate to animals. The more anthropomorphic they are and look like us, the more we like them. Mm-hmm. And then there's this inverse thing that happens. The young, when we're young, we like big animals, like gorillas, parental when, figures, if you will. And when we're and when we get older, we start to like smaller animals because we want to act like a parent and we take care of a, a small ferret or something. Take care of Alex Bogusky's small ferret or something. But then, I'm telling you... But hey, he talks about how, to your first point, the anthropomorphic, we've bred dogs to have shorter snouts. And you think about... You mean like pugs? Well, yeah, and you think about it... Is that like your dog? I don't know. My dog has a nice long snout. My dog has kind of a shorter snout. Yeah, look at you. But you think about it, you take it to an extreme with a pug. So conventional. Bred to have just almost no snout. For aesthetic reasons, those are like lap ovens, those dogs. But they have breathing problems. Careful. JTT.org. Pug, hey, pug lover, right? He knows that they're lap ovens. You're telling me to be careful. You're mocking his dog who passed away. Did we? I'm not mocking his dog. You're mocking Thor. Did we? <laughs> I don't think we actually said rest in peace, Thor, on this podcast. That was a, that was a Sorry about that, Stuart. I meant to bring that, that in a, a couple dis- weeks ago. Distinguished old dog. I was very sad to hear about Thor passing away. One time Thor ate his, I think, Stuart's girlfriend had a bag of quarters in her pocket or in her uh, purse. That's what it was in her purse for laundry. And court, Thor ate all the quarters and had to have them surgically removed. Oh, that's a fucking dog right there. Jesus. That could have gone south in a hurry. Thor was fine. He lived many years beyond that. So as this book was winding up, I was like, okay, I get it. I mean, we were literally, I was two, maybe two or three pages from the end of the book. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I paused and thought, you know what? I get it. I like what he's done. He's taken this objective view of the human animal. I kind of wish he'd done more like, because every so often he would just drop a line or two, like, oh, and when we overcrowd ourselves in cities, shit's going to get weird. 239. And then, and then he, I was like, he's going to end this book not having like made those sort of pronouncements. But then I thought, Good for him. You know, he's a scientist. He's going to let others do that. Then I kept reading, and he brought it. Oh, he fucking brings it. Listen it's to this. It's literally like two or three pages at the end. Yeah. Uh, as the demand for living space increases still further, even more drastic steps will ultimately have to be taken, and we shall be driven to synthesizing our foodstuffs, food tech. Called Unless it. we can colonize other planets on a massive scale and spread the load, and spread the load... Or seriously check our population increase in some way, we shall, in the not-too-far-distant future, have to remove all other forms of life from the Earth. 1967. Oh. Yep. We're going to have to synthesize our food. We're gonna, I mean, it, Now I know why you're always like, ah, this planet's fucked. We just got to go find another one. Well, mm-hmm. Desi told you that. That's, well, I mean, that's it, his only out. Well, that's you, his only out in this whole dystopic, dystopic, dystopian vision of the future which has come to pass let me tell you something else 
While you were taking 40-minute hot showers at Williams College, God. I was reading science fiction. If you read a lot of science fiction, you know that that's a pact that humanity made with itself long ago. We chose this industrialized, technologically-fueled existence, and it, the, the bargain is you have to get off this planet because you're going to destroy it. Oh, look at this. They didn't teach you that at Williams College, did they? Did you... Did ever... <gasps> Optimism is expressed by some who feel that since we have evolved a high level of intelligence and a strong inventive urge, we shall be able to twist any situation to our advantage, that we are so flexible that we can remold our way of life to fit any of the new demands made by our rapidly... <laughs> rising species status, that when the time comes, we shall manage to cope with the overcrowding, the stress. That's why I dropped in the Sullivan piece. Yeah, okay. The stress, the loss of our privacy and independence of action, that we shall remodel our behavior patterns and live like giant ants, that we shall, this is a long sentence, that we shall control our aggressive and territorial feelings, our sexual impulses. That's just for you, Daniel. And our parental tendencies, that if we have to become battery chicken apes, we can do it. Battery chicken apes? Battery chicken apes that our intelligence can dominate all our basic biological urges. I submit that this is rubbish. Episode 82, Battery Chicken Apes. Oh, I like that. Uh, Our climb to the top. Are we doing that to ourselves? We're fucking factory farming ourselves. Fuck yeah, we are. (sighs) Our climb to the top has been a get-rich-quick story, and like all nouveau riche, we are very sensitive about our background. Trump. We are also in constant danger of betraying it. Trump, Trump. I don't know, man. He brought it home there in those last two page, last three pages. That's a fucking book. It's not. It's not optimistic. It's a little bleak, but it's he's bringing it. So Keep as it I, real. As I mentioned to you, could I, you, you know what? Huh? For all the poo pooing, good. I like the selection on the book. All club. right. That's what I was getting to. I read this twenty years ago. I told you it had a profound impact on me. I'm interested to hear just your overall thoughts. Reading it as a forty year old naked ape. Are you already too wizened and hardened in your ways? Like did this book drill down through that callous, cynical exterior forged by Williams College where you injected with new knowledge? I think I learned some things. I think I learned some things. <laughs> I, no, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. Like, the problem is that there's no path out. It's like, which, I, it's true. It's honest to what he thinks, I, I think. He also thought we wouldn't make it to the 21st century. He's like, we're hardwired to do this. This is how it's going to play out. Go find another planet. That's what's going to happen. You know what's actually going to happen? So what am I going to do? So I should just pay more attention to Elon Musk. Well, so if you've been following the news this week, uh, a doctor or scientist in Stockholm, Sweden, is going to start genetically modifying embryos. That's not going to get us off this planet, though. No, but that's what the future is actually going to look like. It's going to get all of Gattaca and shit. Designer babies will be bred. The the most well-to-do among us will be bred so that our bodies can actually survive the toxic atmosphere we're creating. But even that, I think if Desi were here... Yeah. He would go like, well, that may get you another 50 years. The end game is real. We're going to kill every other type of life form on the planet. But then we're going to start killing the poor and disenfranchised of our own species. And only these elite assholes are going to get off this. That's the bummer about, like, we will probably colonize another planet, but it's going to be filled oh. with the most elite assholes, the most elitist. Oh, my God. The Peter, um, Peter Thiels. Yeah. These the guys, worst representatives these of guys. humanity. Oh, this is coming up later in another story. That Hampton Creek story. He's an investor in Hampton. It's like these guys. They're sequencing. There's genes. this little. I don't know what is happening over there. They don't know what's happening. Giant douchebags out there mm-hmm. making billions of dollars, becoming yep. bigger douchebags. I don't like it. No one likes it. I do it. not like it. Okay. Easy. 
Easy, my friend. <sighs> I got something for you that might soothe you right now. Well, hold on. That was a great book club. We're think everybody. We're going to take probably a week or two to purge our book brains. And then we were thinking about uh, we got maybe we got we're thinking about Dune. Uh, shit food blogger gave us a tip on mm-hmm. a, on an old memoir from Craig Cl- Claiborne, and then uh, uh, Alchemist. My wife requested we read yeah, that. We read that. We do straight up novel. I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll let you know. Take me somewhere else. All right. Well, I have a a song here from the new album by Survive. Interlude. Another interlude. This I album is the album's called RR Seven Three Four Nine. This is like a new thing for us. I like it's it. Kind of fun. Music in the middle. Yeah, so they're calling this a sweeping exercise in analog synth mastery. So have, they, have, they, have they heard of Old Gay? I, I think they don't know that they've heard of Old Gay, but they have. They've experienced it. I suppose gay. that's not, that's a, well, say that again? Sweeping? I already moved from that page. Oh, all right. But this song is called AHB. This is like, if you like kind of moody, synthy, dark pop, you're going to like this. I found that each time I listen to it, it whisks me through time and space so don't be surprised Careful. if upon hearing this you know what's happening right you now. end up somewhere else just a don't i don't word of warning do not take me to that do I not i will not take you anywhere i'm not controlling
wait, I know this. I know where we are. I know, I know this sound. Oh, I know these oh, smells. I don't want to be. I do not want to be here. Who doesn't love Baltimore? I don't want to be. Who doesn't love Expo East? Oh, man. I'll probably have to give a speech now. Oh, Mark, your keynote is coming up in five minutes. So while we've got you here, let me get your thought on your thoughts on Waxeline. We're at booth uh, 4200 Waxeline. It's a uh, the petroleum jelly alternative avail- available in 15,000 stores. This is in the grab and go category, or as I like to think of it about it, the uh, the grab and go 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 go. If you know what I'm saying, right? So, Mark, thoughts on Waxeline? Go. <laughs> There's so many people. All right. There's so many products. Calm down. Calm down. <sighs> How about this one? Hold on, I'm gonna squeeze my arm. Booth six four two seven. Booth six four two seven. Sun Warrior, all caps. All energy comes from the sun. Even the elements that make up our bodies were born in Starfire. All right, I'm on board with this one. Our mission is to seek out the best sources of energy. Oh, you know about Sun Warrior? I think they're selling a fermented protein powder. Sun Warrior is sprouted proteins or something. Yeah. Oh God, damn it! I knew it. Let's see. You they can have. Just drop me down. You can just drop me into an expo, and I'm ready to go. Let's do it. Who doesn't love Baltimore? See, you got back in the swing of it pretty love quickly. Expo East. So in the in the expo world, what kind of trends are you seeing, Josh? Uh, there's a lot of petroleum jelly alternatives floating I around here. I love my petroleum jelly. I put it on my lips every night. A lot of lubed up expoers. I'm seeing a lot of products starting with the letter R. Interesting. Uh, interesting. Yeah, I'm seeing. Uh, Fewer, fewer Birkenstocks and Tevas than last year. I'm seeing a lot of dance goes. People are getting hip to the, the need for comfort when you're that's, on your feet all day at Expo. That's the conflation of the chef culture and the foodie culture. Here's what you need. You need your dance goes. You need some protein bars. And you need some kombucha. That's still big here, right? Although I think I'm going to go with a little bit of this apple cider uh, Yeah, vinegar heat shots. Drink. Heat drink? Heat drink. Oh, drink your vinegar. It's very acidic, though. That's a lot of acid to put in your body. I feel like I have a little too much acid. I need to get something more basic. What do you got on the alkalinity trend? How about the no bowl burger? <laughs> That's not the alkalinity Booth trend. 2906. It's the gourmet veggie burger. It's unlike any other on the market. Vegan and gluten-free, made with lentils, barley, or brown rice. We get to choose? I don't know. They won't disappoint, is what I'm told. Well, hey, Jelly Belly is here. Family-owned and operated. I would like to talk to the people at Jelly Belly because I'm sure it's artificial flavors that go into those beans. But how do they get them? Like the the Harry Potter beans? Did you ever try those? They have a, a vomit flavor that tastes like you've just vomited up pepperoni pizza. Who doesn't love that? I will. I'm going to give big ups though to uh, NSF International for their. Uh, Listening to you talk about like insider food stuff is just delightful. It is right. No, I like their mobile app. It's hard to make it's not a good event. Their mobile app. Well, whatever. The mobile app for the you're, event is quite nice. You're hilarious. I'm not. I'm not hanging expo east. You and I. Let's go walk this show floor. I'm really going to show you what it's about. All right. Show me, Mark. I'm going to take you. I'm going to go find Neil. All right. We'll get ourselves some free ice cream. Let's do it. Three twins. I'm going to go find uh, Zach. Zach's not here. We can't go find Zach. Zach's moved on. This seems like a distraction, though. Being here, we've got a show to do. But I think Papa Bear might come out and do his uh, bagpipe dance. God. All right. That's the only thing that could keep me here. 
Papa Papa Bruce. Papa Bruce. Papa, Papa Bruce's Bruce. sourdough cookie dough. Probiotic. How they're doing? We need to check in on them. Uh, I think for now, though, for the sake of our sanity and the sake of the sanity and I can't handle trends. value of our listeners. You know, what the, you know what the trends are coming out of Expo East? Trends are dead. Forget trends. Ooh. So we're in a post-trend world, Mark? Is that what you're... I'm going back to book club. Take me back to book club right now. All right. Here's, here's how we get out of here, Mark. We need to head to booth uh, 4116. Can't I just take my lunette menstrual cup and stick it to my forehead? You could, but they're not here this year. They got wise. They I got still got out. my menstrual cup. Oh, do you? Yeah. All right. Well, if I could borrow one, stick it to my head. We need to head to booth... I don't know if you want to borrow it. Ooh, okay. We're going to head to booth 4116, the Lotus Light. <gasps> Wait a minute. That's triggering something in my brain. Something about Lotus Light. Lotus Light. I think that is our way out. They have a product that could be good for your lungs, the Haymax Allergen Barrier Balm, Mark. They have crystal herbs. Oh, that is great. Biocap hair colors. What? Maggie's organic clothing. I'm just going to read this, and you'll you'll feel a a wave of synergy and sound wash over you. And when you come out of this, Mark, you're going to be back in the studio, okay? Tell me. Natural products. Maggie's organic clothing. Organic grooming. Back Products. Joy. What the hell? Oh, Back Joy. Mark needs some Back Joy. Products. Herbal Zap. Echo Dense. Bretana. Witch Products. Hazel. E2. Essential Elements. Room Aromatherapy. Tisserin. Oh, Barefoot SOS. Hair Removal. Barefoot SOS. Arcobat. And we're back. That was a harrowing journey to Expo West. I'm glad you said take me back to the book club, though. I forgot to show you this. I found this in New York. I went to a, I can't, it's hard for me to pass by a used bookstore without popping in, right? Wendy Cooper's hair. And I always know there's going to be something that calls to me if it's the right bookstore. Wendy Cooper's hair. This is just like a book about every aspect of human hair, but look at this. I want you to open it and read, just read the first sentence on the inside of the dust jacket and you'll see why I handed it to you. 1971. Oh. No, no, no. Right there. The little. Hair. Sex, society, symbolism, Wendy Cooper. Man may think of himself as the naked ape. What? But hair has been on his mind almost as long as it has been on his body. So how crazy is that? So we're in New York discussing the grooming chapter. We have a a rousing discussion of hair. My wife does hair. We talk about that. And then I go to use bookstore and I see this book. I'm thinking, oh, I'll get this for... uh, Nicole and Christie, they can keep it at their salon. It's a very fascinating book. Lots of strange Look pictures. Look at that wistful there. headshot. Wendy Cooper, a journalist, is known in her native England for dozens of television documentaries and plays and for her, ins- in her incisive and insightful coverage of the problems and status of women's in the other countries, particularly the U.S., Canada's, Africa's, and the Middle East's. She has made frequent appearances on television as a guest panelist and interviewer and in 1966 was chosen Britain's Woman Journalist of the Year. Perhaps a contemporary of Craig Claiborne. Big ups, Wendy Coops. Great find, Josh. So we got some food news. We've reached the eventually portion of the podcast. We do not have... This isn't food news. Oh, you're right. It's not. The next two are food. The first one's just... Too much news. Stress. I used to be a human being. I used to be a human being by Andrew Sullivan, New York Mag. Sully. Old Sully. Not that Sully, though. Oh, man. To be clear. I was very. I, I saw this. I know he's been thoughtful about this for a while since he changed his life. You mm-hmm. aware of his transformation? Well, the transformation I know of is when he left the Atlantic and started his own. He was like a trailblazer. He started his own uh, news site that was subscription based. 
Yeah, just wanted to have a staff of writers, wanted blogging. to pay them. Blogging all day and night. Uh, Co- covering the is news. Is that the transformation you were talking about? No, when he then he threw he said, I can't do this anymore. Well, which yeah. is the point of this article. It's kind of like the transition. So I wanted to know more about from this new hope always to on Natch, culture. Where you're like, let's start a food blog. Oh my God. It's like going from Expo to your yeah. studio. But then we try to do the blog and we're like, wow, it's a lot of work writing blog posts all the time. Let's just run our fucking mouths unchecked on some microphones instead. Well, that, you know what I think? You think podcasting is saving us from technology? Yes. Why do you think people like these podcasts that are an hour and a half, two and a half hours? This one's getting there. Because. None of this quick hit shit that you can't contextualize. And this is in depth. This is real. This is people talking, yeah. which you don't do anymore. No, you don't. That's why I put this story in there. We're looking at one another right now. We're saving the world, Josh. Well, let's not let's not get ahead of ourselves. We're saving ourselves. But Jesus, this article really long. <laughs> I didn't think there was that much. There was a lot of fat to be trimmed. I mean, there was a lot of hyperbole and just kind of like. Well, it's it a little self-indulgent. Let's set it up, right? All right. I, all, big ups to Sully. Uh, every time I see him on Charlie Rose, I love it. Fucking oh, love it. I haven't seen him on Charlie Rose. Seen him on Charlie Rose twice. Fucking loved it both times. Do you want to read this quote or me? If the internet killed you, I used to joke, then I would be the first to find out. Years later, the joke was running thin. In the last year of my blogging life, my health began to give out. Four bronchial infections in 12 months had become progressively harder to kick. Vaccinations such as they were had become mere op- vacations. vacations such as they were had become mere opportunities for sleep. My dreams were filled with the snippets of code I used each day. What I used each day to update the site. He's coding too. Come on, so you hire a coder? No, like the CMS. You don't know. He could be talking about HTML. He could be no, formatting he's, he's headline got, tags. I think he was on WordPress. What? Whoa. Uh, so WordPress. You think he's doing it on WordPress? Huh. What? Are we recording? What? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah. He's seeing code in his brain. All right. Well, that's beside He's always the point. on. He's always on. You, my I, friendships had atrophied as my time away from the web dwindled. My doctor dispensing one more course of antibiotics finally laid it on the line. Did you really survive HIV to die of the web? I tried reading books, but that skill now began to elude me. After a couple of pages, my fingers twitched for a keyboard. Sully, join the Natch Book Club, my friend. That'll get you back on track. I tried meditation, but my mind bucked and bridled. Ooh, if you're riding a horse, that's pretty horny activity right there, bucking and bridling. As I tried to still it, I got a steady workout routine, and it gave me the only relief I could measure for an hour or so a day. Mm. But over time, in this pervasive virtual world, the online clamor grew louder and louder. Although I spent each day alone and silent, attached to a laptop. It felt as if I were in constant cacophonous crowd of words and images, sounds and ideas, emotions and tirades, a wind tunnel of deafening, deadening noise. You get his point. I think so. This is a, this is a thing. I, I don't know if he coined it, but the idea that you're living your life on the web. Mm-hmm. I remember the Gawker people would talk about this a lot. Because, yeah. you know, they're just they're writing stories. They're commenting on, I'm living my life on the web. Awesome. Not awesome. Not awesome. I'm thinking that, so we're getting something right here. We're yeah. not like, I was, let's do a quick audit. Okay. Personally. Yep. You love Facebook. I fucking hate Facebook. I have to use it for work. I have a paste account that I use to manage. A, Instagram. It's the one I use the most. You don't really post a lot. I don't post a lot. I just like to look at pictures of my friends. Twitter. 
I used to tweet more. It's just a lot, yeah, of, it's a see, lot of work. I think the same thing is happening to me. There's I, all of I these. I just could give a shit. I think I'm getting older too. And like when you get older, you're, you just kind of realize what matters and what doesn't. None of this shit matters. Sully's older than us, I think. Yeah, but he's, he's more successful than he's us. He's deeper in. He was deeper in the life on the web. That's right. He had a reason to be. It got to be. It's too much. When I, like it's like, okay, personally, yeah, Twitter, Instagram, email, text. Email's the worst. I don't have a lot of email going these days. I've been good. My inbox is always at like two. At Natch. In, in each inbox. Oh, inbox zero. Look at you. You're a hero. What do we have for Natch? We got Instagram, Twitter, newsletter, website, SoundCloud. LinkedIn. Is LinkedIn. I actually, I like, I, I get the biggest jolt off LinkedIn for some reason. Really? Like, I like, uh, I like looking at my LinkedIn page. It's, so you know weird. how you don't you like you have a very elaborate LinkedIn page. I just kind of sketched it. I don't know why you went all in on that balls deep LinkedIn. Well, I, I was without. Uh, you thought I was really going to get you some work, huh? Well, no, I just didn't have like a gig for a little bit. I was helping my wife with her business and doing some other stuff, so I had time to like polish my LinkedIn page. And it's just it's nice. It's nice to look back through the last fifteen years of my professional life and be like, oh yeah, there's an arc here. I did a lot of stuff. Yeah, How nice. That's interesting. That's what also a anachronistic. Shit. Nobody cares. I fucking care. Mark. I know you do. That you, you've created a document of record. It's not the... You care by proxy. Yeah. <laughs> Only when you whip out your clipbook. <laughs> my clipbook? Oh, my clipbook's amazing. Your portfolio. That's, that's another throwback. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think people are resisting it. That's why, like, oh, Twitter's in, in trouble. People aren't tweeting as much. Yeah, because it's not worth doing. It's not. You can't live your life on Twitter. Well, and the Twitter sphere is it causes all kinds of problems. Crowded I think, with trolls and assholes. I think Desi's getting at it something like the stress that's created. Mm-hmm. There's all these stress problems, anxieties, and stress that we don't fully understand because we're not living our naked ape lives. We're very you can't do that online with these manufactured notions of success. <sighs> Being successful is really just spending time with the people you care about. And giving them your attention. Oh, my word. It's pretty simple. I like this. The best thing in this article was actually something Louis C.K. said. No surprise there. Fucking amazing what he said. Yeah, he's talking about and I, You know what I thought when I read that? You going like, I think Elias is, is mature enough for this. Don't do it. He Don't do it. Well, I'll tell you about that. So Louis, K., Louis C.K. was on... Conan. Conan, talking about why he doesn't give his kids Wait, iPhones. You, you, here, let me get the full quote. You only did a little. Let me get the whole one. Okay, this is worth it. On the Conan O'Brien show, CK. (laughs) Is that how you, what do you call him by his last name? You call him CK? I guess, or Louie. CK explained why. I don't know what why is. Oh, you need to build an ability to just be yourself and not be doing something. That's what the phones are taking away. Underneath in your life, there's that thing, that forever empty, ooh, that knowledge that it's all for nothing and you're alone. That's why we text and drive, because we don't want to be alone for a second. He recalled a moment driving his car when a Bruce Springsteen song came on the radio. (laughs) Unfortunate. It triggered a sudden, unexpected surge of sadness. He instinctively went to pick up his phone and text as many friends as possible. Then he changed his mind, left his phone where it was, pulled over to the side of the road to weep. Love it. He allowed himself for once to be alone with his feelings, to be overwhelmed by them, to experience them with no instant distraction, no digital assist. Then he was able to discover, in a manner now remote from most of us, the relief of crawling out of the hole of misery by himself. 
for if there is no dark night of the soul anymore that isn't lit with the flicker of the screen... Yeah, this guy's right. That sounds right. like Sullivan. That, that is Sullivan. Easy Icarus. Then buddy. there is no morning of hopefulness either. As he said of the distracted modern world we now live in, you never feel completely sad or completely happy. You just feel kind of satisfied with your products, and then you die. So that's why I don't want to get a phone for my kids. It's good. And you can trace that line of thinking back through comedic history to George Carlin, who back in the 80s probably was lamenting that parents were like micromanaging their kids' lives and they had soccer practice and karate practice and all these different things. And there was no time in their day to just sit and be bored, to sit and do fucking nothing. And how important it was to just sit and be bored. That was a big thing with my dad. He was an elementary school teacher. Once he thought a week. every kid should have an hour a day just to daydream. That's what this is for to us. To do nothing. I think this is, this, is, this is self-help. This is our version of daydreaming. This, this is, is therapy. Yeah, I feel good. Let's just skip these last two stories and... <laughs> Food news. Uh, do we have to talk about Hampton Creek eventually? I think we have to, man. It's, it's getting ugly. All right. I'll make it quick. <laughs> oh, boy. How Hampton Creek sold Silicon Valley on a fake mayo miracle by Olivia Zaleski, Peter Waldman, Ellen Hewitt, Bloomberg. Did you happen to click on this article? Do it, Hewitt. No, I'm not allowed to. It's your article. Well, the only reason I say that, let me see if it happens when I do it. When you click on it, not only is this a long sort of expose on all of their problems, but there's this, <laughs> they have this graphic. They're spreading the load. They, it's a jizzy jiff. They spread a bunch of mayo over the CEO's face, Josh Tetrick's face, and then they give you this little wipe you can use to erase it. Look, you can erase the mayo. Somebody went in deep on a ridiculous graphic for this article. Is this a- Imagine being Josh Tetrick and be like, you motherfuckers. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> I mean, fine. You want to take these facts and interpret, but then you got to put this mayo on my face and give people a little napkin? Yeah. Nappy nap. Okay. Another West Coast creaker. You know what the, the, the most cruel thing of all is, though, is that it's not mayo. Oh, right. <laughs> it's not even just mayo. It's Fabernays. <laughs> it's not Fabernays, but Fabernays. it's Fabernays. He's bathed in mayo. Fabernays. Fake mayo. So I'm going to read this quote, then I'll just give you the nuggets of what they're arguing, and then we can move on. All right. Another West Coast Creeker, it's a Hampton Creek employee, says Tetrick, that's Josh Tetrick, CEO, the man I've met and introduced. And Here we go. The man you, what'd you do to his nipples at Expo West? Didn't Mark? touch him. Did not that's touch him. That's what inquiring minds want to know. Next time I see him. Was like a religious pastor who inspired his charges, many of them women under 35, like her, I don't know what that refers. Like her, the creaker is, oh. a, is a woman under thirty-five. With his with his vision of fix- turn to me for the subtext. <laughs> with his vision of fixing a corrupt corporate food system, he was such a dude, really raw, such a presence, entirely authentic. She says, he made this creaker. That's not a, that's not a good name, creaker. Sounds uh, like my back. It does, huh? It sounds like my back. Sounds like a cult. It does sound like a cult. Uh, he made this creaker feel like she could make a difference in the world. I honestly felt blessed to have met him, she says. Her first buyback assignment, we'll get to that, was in April 2014. That year, she hit multiple Safeways, purchasing more than 500 jars of just mayo and all. Quality control never came up, she says. She donated the jars to hospitals, passed them out to friends, and finally started leaving boxes on the street. Now she suspects she was helping commit fraud, and it gnaws at her. So I don't think there's anything all that new in this article, but it's quite long, and it lists the malfeasances of Josh Tetrick and his company. 
Mm. That they they used to make all these sustainability claims like, oh, you buy a jar of Armeo and it saves... 30 bathtubs full of water. A lot of water. Oh, yeah, remember, that was on our show. Then they got those audited, had like an actual environmental sustainability firm do it and say like, uh, no, you can't say that. So they'd, they'd overstated their sustainability claims. Then they did this... Uh, uh, I can't remember if we talked about that too, like a over, like in the middle, like a secret swap out of employee contracts, employment contracts, hmm. where it said you you get you don't get three months severance anymore, you get three weeks, but they didn't really tell everybody. You know, okay. Then like Josh apparently it, dangerous liaison. Did they have a screening of that? He admits to like he like his ex girl like there's the, there's a little romantic intrigue that happens, and he has he has a relationship with an employee. He's humping some creakers. <laughs> cult leader classic right there. The big one, though, is this buyback program, which got a lot of attention. And I believe if I'm reading the tweets right from Mr. Foraker at Annie's, no fan. He's getting real snarky with the Hampton Creek buyback program tweets. I think it's, getting, it's pissing him off. Um, so they would get into a store, and, they, and, and Bloomberg would argue, hey, this is our chance to really impress Whole Foods. Let's become the number one selling man, mayo in Whole Foods Create a program. All you guys go out and buy like 50 jars a day. Just buying your own product, buying it back. They, now, they claim they were doing it for quality control to test like uh, sometimes it's separating in the jar. We actually want to see if it's a good product. They whipped out this thing that said we spent $70,000 on buying, buying stuff back. Bloomberg's like uh, maybe it was $1.4 million. Like 90% of your sales were your own employees going to buy the... Very, a lot of intrigue, a lot of drama. Doesn't look good for them. He's got mustard on mayonnaise, fake mayonnaise on his face. And you've got a little egg on yours, Mark, because... Oh, I'm with him. No one loved Hampton Creek more than you. Okay, hold on a second. No one was dewier for old Tetrick than you. You I were still, practically a creaker. I still like Hampton Creek. Let's, let's get clear about this. On the record. On the record. That's we're it. not going to edit this out? Nope. The... What and and I look, it's I'm pop, I, my right my writing my writing will convey this. You can go back to the record. I believe there might be a blog post on our site that has this. I think there's three or four fawning Hampton Creek pieces. Well, there was you. that. Each well, I stand by each of the moments where we were. I took their Ooh, side, and I still do. How political of you. What they did was was they reinvigorated, revitalized, reimagined food science. Which created this whole culture in Silicon Valley of lab stuff, but, and but did they really just a bunch of pea protein? They claim to have done that. Um, that's well, the, that's a good point. The actual substance of what they were doing, who knows? Inquiring but minds want to know the cultural shift in looking at food. They're responsible for that, and Josh is good at doing it. Now, I am good at. Doing is it, it overhyped? Maybe. Did some bad stuff go down? Quite likely. <laughs> Will they not be? And did they get a little bug of the silicon? Like, I'll be a unicorn. We went with a billion dollars. Let's go raise some more money. Wait a minute. Now you're under an SEC inquiry into securities fraud because your buyback program and all this other stuff. Well, I really like their miso yuzu, so I hope they keep making that. Well, who knows? And, you know, a podcast is a great place to kind of hit the reset button. So if you want to talk sponsorship, partnership. Oh, sponsorship. You know, Mm -hmm. we have a buyback program all our own. We do. Hampton Creek, sure. What can they buy? Old episodes? <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll retroactively put Hampton Creek ads yeah. in, our, in the first 10 episodes Episode of the show. Episodes 0 through 10? Oh, those are cheap. Yep. 10 through 20, a little bit more. Yep. Each, yeah, in, in 10 episode increments, the prices sure. go up. 
high drama at Hampton Creek. I, so I believe they are, oh, there was this whole, uh, man, I, we could go deep on it. There was a guy named Ali Partovi, I believe is how you say that. Mm. Sort of a, another big, well-known Silicon Valley investor, put money in, and then like joined the company, but nine days later, resigned. <laughs> Nobody knew why. And now in this article, they've got a hold of some of his emails. We're like, you're lying to your investors. Your financials are bunk. He's like, oh, boy. Oh, boy, Creekers. Come on, Creekers. Doesn't, doesn't bode well for the Creek. Well, I don't know. Yeah, Godspeed, I don't know. Yeah, they can get out of this there. Hey, they're uh, agile. They're prepared to pivot. It does seem like the, I don't, the science has always felt overblown. Well, yeah, it's like you it's put like pea protein. Pea protein's in a ton of shit just because you figure out how to Matson whip it. And they got Matson to do it. Matson's like a well-known food formulating thing up there. They like did a lot of it. And then, then Hampton Creek came in and tweaked it and made it their own. But then they would hire these data people that would come and go. It was like, what's happening here? Well, I think when we talked to... Make it mayo. Fake mayo. Yeah. Fake spreads. They Fake always, dressings. They were always pumping up like their... Cookies. Their labs and their facilities. I mean, it didn't... Look at you turning. Look at you. I could hear it in your voice. I was never as enthusiastic as you are. Uh, well, so it's a shorter journey. That's our first bit of food news. One more to go. Uh, teen creates apps so bullied kids never have to eat alone. I just read that headline. Tear, tear in my eye. Why? Did you eat alone a lot? No, <laughs> but I can I can empathize with bullied kids who might. This seems like technology well, if, could actually wait, save the world. how can you empathize? Are you sure you can't just sympathize? I think I'd be sympathizing, right? You never ate alone, did you, Mark? I might have ate alone. Were you picked first oh. or last in gym class or probably right in the middle? You got those long <sighs> arms. Depends. If you're playing basketball, you want, you want the tower of brush on your side, right? How'd it go? Let's get a little personal, Mark. I was always picked like last, second to last. <laughs> I was a small kid. You were a small kid, huh? I didn't hit puberty oh boy. until like twenty six, soft like like the summer leading into my junior year. I don't think I did it till senior. What? Yeah, your voice, your nut didn't drop until I don't you were remember. a senior. Yeah, oh, that's rough. I remember being late. I just remember I was like really super horny in high school, Ugh, but I I was not. That doesn't surprise me. I was like I was like <laughs> yeah, really, it doesn't surprise me either. I wasn't. I was so horny in high school, man. No, I was not having sex. I didn't have sex at all in high school. I Seven was just hours like, a day in the bathroom. I was girl crazy, yes, in high school. But I was like... Rubbing a, myself raw. But I was still like a tiny little boy. Oh. And I mean... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so I thought there was no hope for me. But there was this kid at my high school named Wes, who was also like a little man child. He Come was here, like, man. Let me show you how to do no, this. No, he was just prepubescent, but, but he was like kind of like, like slight gangster style. Yeah. Kid, but he always he had these like mature girls that were always like an entourage of them. Hmm. So I'd look at Wes and be like, "There's hope for me. Maybe girls hmm. do. Maybe some some of these fully or developing girls like runty little dudes." Yeah, but they, then I yeah, finally they, hit they puberty, do. and then it, my voice still cracks. Clearly, I'm not done with puberty. God. But so anyway. No, I. I We've just talked about how dangerous technology is in our lives. And what there's what these were you moments doing like in the, high school? You had no interest in in like any sort of sexual contact with anyone? I went to an all-boys school. All right. I wore a coat and tie every day. Wow. I think puberty late. I think it was late. Senior year seemed really late. Uh, I was interested in learning, Josh. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
I wasn't riding around in my big pants on my skateboard, <laughs> hoping you, my balls dropped. Were you, were you interested in learning, or were you forced to believe that you were interested in learning? No, I was, I was, I was a... I was you were a, an exceptional student, uh, destined yeah. for Williams College. I get it. I don't think I got... I don't think I started to get, get uh, senior year, freshman year of college. Yeah, those were... So your parents didn't have to put up with the high water moments. bills. They weren't like, "Why is Mark? Why is the the sink running again in the bathroom?" I Mark's was, been I in was, there for forty five minutes already. I enjoyed watching Letterman at night, drinking water, and hydrating. Wow! All right. Uh, so this teen, is it a teen? Where am I? Yeah, teen creates app. You're at the cafeteria. This is an interview with the teen. Actually, you're at a cafeteria. You've got your lunch. And then you just don't know where to sit. Come on, who hasn't been there? You don't want to sit alone, but you don't know who would be friendly and let you sit with them. That Six. is a high a, a moment of high anxiety in a Absolutely kid's life. Absolutely, it is. Yep. If you any any uh, like yeah any movie about kids in school, that's right. usually a pivotal the fucking lunch plot room. moment. Oh no, god, the lunchroom. So the way the app works, it's a free lunch oh, planning app. Oh. Six, Sixteen year old. Sixteen year old Natalie Hampton, Hampton has been there. Hampton. Oh, there's the through line. She's an 11th grader from Sherman Oaks, California, and the creator of a new app called Sit With Us. It's a free lunch planning app where kids can find lunch tables if they feel like they have nowhere to go. Pretty much, this is her talking, pretty much kids can sign up as ambassadors for a Sit With Us club and agree to post to open lunches so that anyone who has the app and has nowhere to go can find a table and hopefully make some new friends. So there you go. There's the double-edged sword of technology. I mean, even if it's... It's driving Andrew Sullivan into an early grave, but when used... You know, in a metered fashion, it could do great things. We're running low on batteries. I don't know if that's what's happening. <laughs> I think something's about to crap out. There's now there's oh, yeah, like it's a like delay. To alert. <laughs> there's a delay. And thus concludes episode 82. Natch, oh. whisper in your lover's ear, text the sound hot. Love you, Natalie Hampton. Good job. Great app.